Dan, I can't wait to get you to talk about this game. <laughs> yeah, man, I'm sick, man. I, I'm sick, bro. I'm, I'm uh, sick, son. Wuru, it's good. Hey, how are you guys? I'm, I'm about to cry right now. Um, uh, <laughs> you know, when you asked me to do this this morning, Joe, I was like, he's going to get one of two moods from me today. Either I'm going to be mad at it to do this because so it's a 3 0, or I'm going to be tight. So, Marcus Smart's I'm here. Stay up high, taking anybody coming to the ball. Series on the line. Adonobi got it off, and it goes. Did it count? Is the question. OG Ananobi buries a triple. You're listening to The Rec League, a basketball podcast produced by The Rec. For more information from the show, follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Rec League Pod. Now let's get to today's episode. I mean, I'm, honestly, Cortang uh, earlier today tried to, try to like set himself up to not be disappointed. Like, uh, yeah. I, I can only see the Raptors winning. Like, we're going <laughs> to win the series, but there's no way they're going to be down 3-0. And honestly, after Kimba made that play, I was like, oh, the game's over. Walker dishes Tice with the dunk with .5 left. Yeah, that's what I thought. I literally was like in front of my TV and my sister and my cousin were doing something in the kitchen. I was like, yeah, 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 we're about to win. Yeah. And then she was like, what happened? And I was like. I don't know. That play was just so dumb on Steven's part, man. I don't understand. Oh, yeah. So, all right. So, so you, you tweeted after that. You were like. Saying that 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 uh, loss is on him. Why you, why you say that? Oh yeah, I said that loss is on Stevens because like you have point five, you have point five seconds left, right? You have arguably like a top top five def- defense, and you have Marcus Smart, have Jalen Brown, you have all these defensive. Why not go man to man? You know what I'm saying? Like why not go man to man? Or probably don't bring Taco in. Now you have five and four, double double um a, a good shooter like Van Vliet. And then let everybody else go to man to man because they can't hold their own. Why would you? Why would you do a zone? Because zone in situation like that can confuse you. That's not miscommunication between Tatum, Thies, and um, Jalen Brown led to that open shot. He literally just went right past past um, Tatum and went right past Jalen Brown. Stood in that corner for mad long and nobody <laughs> saw him. <laughs> No, they, yeah. they they did the opposite of what OKC did yesterday because I felt like I'm not trying to bring up. Oh my shit, god. But, but yeah. I feel I, I felt like OKC had a <laughs> had an open had an open man too, but it just didn't they just didn't execute. Right. I still feel like Celtics got the series regardless. I you know what I'm saying? You like, said you feel like who the series? I feel like the Celtics has the has the series very clearly. Like I'm not I'm not impressed by Toronto. Oh yeah, honestly. Oh, yeah, of course I'm not impressed by like three O is better than I really wanted to climb these dudes, man. Like. 3-0 would have been better, but hey. But the thing is, if they win game four, do you still feel that way? Yes. Um, I do. I don't know. I would want to see how they win it. That's, that's true. I mean, the, I think the biggest thing, I think the biggest thing with the Raptors is that, um, you know, um, playoff time is so much different than the regular season. And um, it shows you that, I think if you watched any of these games in the playoffs uh, in the bubble here, um, it's really been about that star power and um, being able to kind of go to your superstars um, when you need to. And, I mean, that rings true for every playoff series going forward. Your superstar comes to play. Somebody else hops in and helps out. Um, but most importantly, your stars show up. Like, if it wasn't for uh, Donovan Mitchell in that series, I mean, 
<laughs> I mean, I don't even I think I think the Jazz wouldn't have stood a chance with Denver because they just have too many weapons. Um, and then I don't think necessarily the pace for um, the way the Jazz was playing in the half court really um, it just kind of plays into the Denver Nuggets hands because they're not really that fast. So that's why you're kind of seeing them now get blown out by the Clippers. They don't necessarily have the perimeter um, shot creation. Um, but we're lucky that Jamal Murray has come to play, but still that's not enough. I think they're going to need another shot creator on the perimeter um, to really actually get to the next level. Well, honestly, that's what I was, that's what I was talking about with the Raptors going in Why I was like so skeptical. Cause I'm like, I, I never seen a team win like that. I don't think like you do need that player. I don't want to be like superficial and say, Oh, they got no stars. Cause clearly they've been doing well the whole season. They got depth. Mm-hmm. But it's like in a playoff series when you when the other team has Jason Tatum playing at that level that he's been playing at throughout the postseason, right? And you don't really right. have to match that. Yeah, yeah, of course, yeah. And by the way, I was about to say, um, I saw another one of my close uh, Celtics friends saying that the last game, game two, that she wasn't happy about the way they won that game either. Like basically making the case that y'all didn't really actually play well on game two or three. I mean, this this game is not only on Stevens. I also think that certain things that add up. Look at, we were up by four points, right? I think that um, Kember didn't take no, no, he didn't take no, 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 like, clock. He didn't take no, like, um, points of the, like, he just, he just threw, like, a quick three, right? And then I think Kyle Lowry got the, got the layup and went for, um, got the rebound, went for a layup. And then Tatum came back and took a dumb shot again without trying to run the clock. Both of them took, like, you were up four points with a minute and, like, 10 seconds left. And they both threw some quick, you know what I'm saying, like, some quick shots real quick. That all adds up, you know what I'm saying? That all adds up to how, like, they were able to get a, a little bit, you know what I'm saying, time towards the end. And Tatum was, he was bad today. He wasn't even that nice. Like, yeah, he didn't play well. He didn't play well, you know? Wait, wait, I got a question. Rora, I got a question. Yeah. Are y'all watching, at this point, are y'all watching, thinking, past the series? You know what I'm saying? Like, are y'all watching, thinking, yeah, like, are y'all, are y'all watching, thinking, like, oh, this is what we have to do to beat Toronto? Or, like, are y'all thinking in your head, I feel like, as if y'all already know y'all going to be Toronto and y'all really thinking, like, I'm not liking what I see for the championship run. I think it's a little bit of both. Um, I Personally, the way I see it as a fan, I never think of, like, I'm never on the thinking about the next team. I'm always, like, currently within the series. I do believe we can beat Toronto. I do believe we can beat Milwaukee, but I don't know if that, like, because I'm a fan or – but no, I'm definitely still like in this series because anything can happen. Like we have been playing, we we have great players, but through each game we've been playing more and more horrible. So I don't know. I'm not like, oh no, this is just this game and this is what we got to do to beat Toronto. No, no, definitely not. Today I was actually thinking about the Celtics in depth and I was thinking about um, the difference between Kyrie Irving and, and Kemba Walker. And I've always thought like, you know, Kemba Walker, seamlessly fits and I think uh, with the Celtics and he fits so well for the regular season I don't necessarily think that Kemba Walker is battle tested um, like that in terms of in the playoffs um, but also but I think that he's unlocked um, Jason Tatum he's given him the confidence as well as Jalen Brown because he's a point guard that doesn't necessarily command so many shots um, but I think the key difference between him and Kyrie is that like I think Kyrie raised the level of uh, the Celtics' aspirations in terms of him being – he's already been on the big stage. He's already had won a title. Um, he's a big-time performer when it comes down to it. And if he was in a playoff series right now with the Celtics, he would clearly be the best player. And you, you wouldn't have to worry about if he's going to come to play tonight or put up those big numbers to put that team over the top. And so that's my worry with the Celtics. That's my only worry with the Celtics because 
I think in terms of just um, their personnel, they have the defenders, they have the two-way players. Um, but in these series, especially because Jason Tatum is what, in his second or third year, if I'm not mistaken, right? Mm-hmm. All right, like, is he ready to be that guy? Like, yeah, he put up great numbers during the season. Um, I think he put, he's played, you know, pretty pretty solid in the playoffs. But is he ready to take that next step and be that guy where you're like, you know what, this is clear-cut. He is the best player in this series. And I think um, I was expecting Kemba to take that next step because he's the one that has the most experience. I mean, at least the most years in the league. He's also, you know, an incredible guard. But I think that he's going to have to raise his level of play um, in order for the Celtics to punch that ticket to uh, the finals. And I would say I think that's my my frustration with them, because especially with like Jason Tatum and Kemba, because I feel like with Jason, he has he has all the tools to be that right. player. But I think that he's in, like you said, he's in his third year, so he's on the way to being that player. But I don't think he's that player just yet. Whereas with Kemba, yeah. he has um, he has all the tools. He has the experience in terms of like longevity and years. But like when you, whenever you listen to him in interviews especially when he first got signed to us, he was like, you know, these guys, I'm just here to support these guys. It's all about these guys. And I feel like he's so used to, um, like... Carrying a team. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah. and like, being a supporting cast. Like, even when you when you hear him talk about, like, what he wants to do in the future, he always says, like, he doesn't want to be in the lead. He wants to be in the background. But I would love for him to, like, just take over. and Party um, at Kemba. <laughs> yeah, like, that's... You, it's okay to be that. Like, we need you just as much as we need Jason and just as much as we need Jalen and even just as much as we need Marcus Smart. So I, I, I hope that, like, as much as I hate that they lost this game because being up 3-0, like Dan said, would have been, like, the ultimate. Um, mm-hmm. I hope that, like, this game kicks them in the ass and lets them think, like, okay, we really, really got to, like, put the pressure on. And I feel like it will. Like, if you... I was watching like a bit of the um, post game press conferences and like Jalen, uh, Jalen Brown seems like this. He's mad. He's mad. He's mad. Regardless of what we was in, you know, we had to guard the three point line. So that was just a fucking disgrace at the end of the game. He knows that they have to have the next game forward mentality right now. So I think hopefully they come with a better mentality on Saturday. Wait, um, so I, I wanted to say a little bit now. I disagree with what EK was saying with the Kyrie situation. Because mm-hmm. that mentality is how we lost four straight against Milwaukee, right? <laughs> Te- mm-hmm. Teams teams knowing that, okay, cool. We know what Kyrie brings every night. And focus literally, like, they they battling, like, they planning games to stop Kyrie. It's how mm-hmm. we lost last year because once Kyrie gets out of rhythm, nobody else, nobody else is in rhythm. You know what I'm saying? So it's like he keeps forcing shots because he's trying to get in rhythm. That's how we lost four games. I feel like this year Kemba g- brings that vibe where – Every single night, you don't really know who's going to go off. So teams can't really battle, plan for one person. Like the other game, Smart went off, and then you have you have Tatum go off, and then you have Kemba go off today, and then you have Jalen Brown have good games. I feel like that actually throws teams off because you don't really know who is like game. Like right now, we are stopping them because we are game planning for two people, and that is basically Siakam and Van Vliet. Uh-huh. So once we take them out of the game, it's slow for the Raptors. You know what I'm saying? Like it's literally it's uh-huh. slow for them. And that's how they that's how they lost the first two games. I think you're kind of uh, proving the point out because I'm saying like, you know, Kemba definitely does fit better with the Celtics as yeah. of right now because he literally level, he really uh, elevates the level of play with Jason Tatum and, and, and Jalen Brown. Like when Kyrie was there, 
Jason Tatum actually kind of took a step back his second year when mm-hmm. Kyrie came back because he, he almost you can almost visibly look at him and say like I feel like I'm getting handcuffed just watching Kyrie dribble and Kyrie gets into those modes as a point guard where he's like dribbling 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 he can be inefficient but that doesn't take away from the 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 level of play he can get to if when Kyrie or Irving is on when Kyrie Irving is on his game I mean he can literally elevate a team to that next level and he's already shown that on the biggest stage and that's what I was I mean by that because I'm like. Kemba fits perfectly, but if Kemba if Kemba is putting up like let's say if he's coming out every night and putting up twenty five a game, this yeah. team is going to be unstoppable. I think they're a championship level team, especially between those three players and then their supporting cast. They have all the talent in the world to make it to the finals. I just think that if Kemba has to come out and really be aggressive, I mean he can get he's good at getting his teammates involved. He doesn't get into the whole uh, dribbling circus that Kyrie Irving gets into, yeah. but Kemba can go out there and score thirty and, and put up twenty five and still have Jalen Brown go get his and Jason Tatum go get his and they still win. But I think, I think that's the differentiator for me. Like if I can see them in the finals, if the Celtics can get Kemba Walker to get to that level, then, I mean, they have all the talent in the world. I think Milwaukee's kind of shown themselves where uh, their best player is too easy to guard. Um, Boston (laughs) in the past has done a really good, yeah. Like Boston has shown in the past, like, um, and even the Raptors, they've shown against Giannis, like, all we have to do is wall up against him. Like, mm-hmm. that's all we have to do. Like, wall up in the paint because you already know where Giannis is going. He's not pulling up for jump shots. He's not settling for jump shots. Like, he's trying to get to that paint. And um, once they're able to wall up, it kind of neutralizes that whole team. Because if you have to depend on Milwaukee's supporting cast, I mean, Chris Middleton is an all-star, great. But in the playoffs, where – I mean, is he taking his game to the next level? And, uh, you know, you have Brooke Lopez, you have Eric Bledsoe. But these players don't necessarily um, bring it to that level in the playoffs, which you need to get to that next level. One second on the, this 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 other game, because the other night, Jamal Murray was talking to Scott Van Pelt and basically said that he didn't even know that they were playing tonight. <laughs> and wow. from the moment from the moment from the moment that that they said that, I was like, yeah, they're gonna come out mad tired. And now I'm looking at this. No, uh, uh, Jamal Murray. He was like, yo, we play we played him on Thursday. And the Clippers, we know, is gonna be a rugged test. Between now and Thursday, what do you do? We play Thursday. So basically, I'm looking at this game. I'm looking at the seconds go down, and I'm like, "Yo, we're probably going to see the same type of performance tomorrow from the Rockets." Yeah. You think so? Yeah, because after going to Game Seven, and the Lakers had an even longer rest than the than the than the than the Clippers, if I'm not mistaken. Mm, yeah. yeah. I was actually yeah, thinking that when, when the Game Sevens ended, it, like, yeah, how this because even if you think about it, like the Celtics are going to be in Game Four when. The West is yes. starting what game? It's so imbalanced. Yeah. So, and I think it's because they're trying to get to the finals as quick as possible and end this season as quick as possible. So, like, the scheduling, even for the bubble, is just like really insane to a point where, like, mm-hmm. let's say the Celtics won today and let's say, let, let's say they swept the Raptors, right? And, and let's say the same thing happened um, with Milwaukee and Miami. Let's say Miami sweeps. What round would this, the West have been in? Like, the Celtics and the East. You know, the East would have been waiting or would have been way further in their schedule than and the West would have been. Like just by the way, like the bubble schedule is so, so messed up. So they got pretty much three days on the Rockets. No, actually, Rocket. Yeah, so the game is tomorrow. Yeah, they basically had a whole week of, yeah. <laughs> whole week of rest, and, and, and the Rockets had like, like two days. Um, yeah. Again, I still wanted to see that series more than OKC versus. Uh, I wish OKC would have won because in the immediate moment, oh, it's man. a good story. Man. It's a better story. Um, 
you know, uh, the fact that they weren't even supposed to be there anyway. Mm -hmm. But uh, I again, I know I said this last series there, mm -hmm. so don't try to come at me too much. But again, I wouldn't be shocked if I saw a six-game series out of the Rockets and Lakers. Okay, good. All right. No, I think it's going to be a six-game series. Oh, yeah, of course. It's going to be a six-game series. I just don't think they're beating the Lakers because, one, they they, they just they're not going to be the Lakers. <laughs> yeah, no, I don't. I don't. I mean, right. listen, I think right. uh, right. Anthony Davis is kind of like, oh, my God, I'm about to get 30 a game. <laughs> because, I mean, if he, has to, if he has to be guarded by P.J. Tucker, I mean, this is about to be a joke. And then they're going to maul them on the boards. Uh, Dwight Howard has done a pretty good job. Jamil McGee, obviously and then Anthony Davis, and then LeBron as well, too. I mean, I'm, I can see LeBron kind of just going a little crazy. Um, I think Westbrook is going to mess. I think what, I think he's going to be the weakest link. I think Westbrook is – you see how last last night towards the end, he was forcing a lot of layups. Like, he was, like, really forcing him, and he's, like, really quick, and sometimes it's too fast for, for, for himself. You know what I'm saying? I think he's going to try those stuff against the Lakers. It's not going to work because LeBron is so smart. So it's like they're really going to get breaking down. But here's the thing: when I was when I was watching him do that, I was like, "Yo, he usually makes those." Like there was there was baskets at the rim that they were missing yesterday. Fatigue, bro. Fatigue, and that's the same thing that's going to beat them tomorrow. Uh, the other thing: what's Milwaukee supposed to do now? Like Milwaukee has this problem where like everything, y'all are like the fifth, sixth, seventh people I've talked to where. They're just like, oh, yeah, you could just guard Giannis easy in the playoffs. The problem is, like, they don't necessarily have another big-time performer in terms of, like, I'm actually seeing that a lot of the teams don't have that necessarily um, that perimeter shot creator. And um, I'm telling you, in the playoffs, if you don't have that, it's hard to win. Because I'm looking at the Nuggets, as talented as they are, like, bro, like, especially, and I'm just thinking to myself, like, you're seeing Jamal Murray at, like, an explosion of Jamal, because you've never seen this type of Jamal Murray. Everybody's been questioning, like, you know, the mm -hmm. Nuggets playoff uh, success is predicated on if Je uh, if Jamal Murray is going to actually be the player that we think he should be. And yeah. he's showing that, and they're still struggling. And I don't think they're going to beat the Clippers, obviously, because they just – I don't necessarily think they have the talent, and I don't think they can keep up with the pace. And your Sweet. best player is, is, is Jokic, and I don't necessarily think that – um. Uh, he has. If you're gonna be a big man, a star big man on a playoff team that has aspirations of the finals, you can't be putting up 26 points. Even though, and as crazy as that sounds, he's kind of like doing regular season. He's just putting up regular season stats in my mind. Like if you if you're gonna try and win this, you got to put up at least. You got to almost be closer to 30. Like you got to be at least 30, 30 above just to even be in this series because I just can't see where are you getting all this other scoring from Gary Harris is not necessarily scoring uh, buckets like that nope. their supporting world cast is not necessarily like um, putting up you know 15 20 points or whatever it may be so it's all on the star players they knew Will Barton they knew Will Barton like he would have made a big yeah. difference for sure that would have been definitely big but still it's still like I don't necessarily think it's enough but the funny part about it is that I'm looking at a couple of these teams that have the pieces um, to really go out there and, and be active in trades and really turn their teams around. I think, like, you know, the Nuggets or even the Heat, um, they have a lot of pieces that they can probably put together a package to maybe bring in, like, a Bradley Beal or another, you know, a, another star shot creator on the perimeter. That's exactly what is needed in the playoffs. Um, if you don't have that, that's going to be too hard to win. Like, it's too I hard. Think, I think, you know? Brad, I think who need the only team that actually needs that right now like we were saying, I think if the Mavs are able to get that, they are going to make that league next year. If they're able to, like, do some kind of trades and get, like, Bradley Beal or somebody, like somebody like a wing defender, it's, like, pretty good. Mm -hmm. 
they can mm-hmm. make the next step. But in your case, with Giannis wow. tomorrow, you're asking. Um, mm-hmm. I think that Giannis has to be aggressive because if he cannot shoot, then he has to be aggressive. And being aggressive means that trying to draw fouls on Butler or Bam early. Like you know what I'm saying, like you right. want to draw, you want to do that early so they they can be out of rhythm. If not, he right. just it's slow for him tomorrow. He has to be aggressive. And you saw Kyle Lowry right. um, today. He started the game off just so aggressive. That's how they actually were in the game. Right. And that's right. why Giannis had to have mm-hmm. that mentality. Like, just start, just start driving the paint. Foul Bam out or foul mm-hmm. Butler. One of them got to go. Yo, the last question I want to ask y'all is, the, what was your reaction to the Steve Nash news today? Oh, my God. I was like, this is a good question. <laughs> I feel like this is such a loaded question because we can <laughs> – talk about it one from like a basketball perspective but then also from like an overall black person's perspective in terms of hiring in terms of chances of opportunities like he has the possible the potential to be a great coach you know that's great but like who would ever get an opportunity like this if they weren't white in anything not even just sports, in, right. in right. any field career field like this is something that we continuously see that black people have to go through whether they're doctors, whether they're journalists, whether they're teachers, whatever, they don't they don't get opportunities like this. He just was able to like skip go ten times over an interim black head coach who was taking over for Kenny Atkinson once they let him go and like he did a good job just, too. Yeah, he was doing he was doing a decent job and now he's what they said the highest paid assistant coach. And so I feel like they gave him that extra money and that that lead assistant coach title so that because they knew they messed up so right so so at first i was like you know what i can't say that i've never seen a move like that because jason kidd got hired by the same team i'm thinking i'm going back to my going back in my head like first off jason kidd was the actual nets legend like i didn't care as a fan i didn't care yeah secondly it, it wasn't the he wasn't getting the keys to a championship team no, I've never seen in my life a championship team give the keys to somebody that we didn't even know that he was interested in culture. Let me add the kicker. Let me add the kicker. Let me add the kicker. They begged him to come out of retirement. He said he didn't even want to coach. They begged him out of retirement. They begged him to come take the job. Like, yo. So they went to go find him. That's crazy. They went to make you know, he was trying to get yeah. Dirk to be an assistant coach. He was oh, like, yeah. he was trying to get Dirk. And Dirk was like, he it was way too early for him to come out of retirement. But they say he was trying to get Dirk to come with him. So, like, I don't even know if, like, the assistant coach is actually going to be, if Dirk had decided to, to join Steve Nash. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's like, basically, it's crazy. It's wild, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah I think uh, even, um, go, go ahead, go ahead. That was that that was bad. I think um I was actually talking about it today on Twitter. Like um I was just analyzing the sorry, I'm a Knicks fan, unfortunately. But um <laughs> I was looking at I was I was looking <laughs> yeah, I know. Uh, I was looking at Fisdale. Um and granted, as I said, like I don't think he did himself any favor favors in terms of the way he was coaching. Um, but let's let's talk about the facts. I think um in the beginning of his tenure um with the Knicks, he actually asked for Mike Woodson as an associate head coach. Somebody that's seasoned, he's already been in New York. He had success in New York and could have been able to help guide uh, a young team, uh, a young roster, along with a coach that's taken on a tough city. Um, they said no. He also had one of the smallest player development teams in the, in the NBA. 
that's another L on a team that has so many young talent, so much young talent that hasn't really been developed at all. And the Knicks have never been a team that develops. Now you've brought in Fibs, who has been fired from two big playoff teams. Um, they fired, they fired Fibs twice. They brought him into New York, gave him a five-year contract. Now they're building out a huge uh, uh, player development team, as well as now who's on his staff? Mike Woodson on, is on his staff. And I'm yeah. saying to myself, like, where is the leash and where is the resources for black coaches? Even Pe- Nate McMillan, who was just fifth, uh, fifth, uh, uh, fifth winning this, uh, um, uh, uh, this record in the league, I guess as an active coach right now. And um, he's been fired from a, a Pacers job that he's elevated that team. And in both playoff series that he's lost, he didn't have a star player in both of them. So I'm saying to myself, like, how do you how, – how does this happen? I mean, where are you guys – I mean, you guys don't give them any type of grace or anything like that. Even OKC has – for me, I feel like OKC has underachieved with Billy Don, Donovan there. Um, who else? The coach of the Wizards has been – he's still there. And I'm saying to myself, like, why don't these black coaches get the same type of resources and the same type of leashes to turn around teams or fix teams? And I'm saying to myself, like, they fantasize about this whole, um, you know uh, – pulling a rabbit out th- out their hat with nothing that you eat without giving them any type of resources or anything to succeed. And I'm saying to myself, like, this is not fair. Like, how did you give Steve Nash a, a roster, a championship, a, a roster slated for championship aspirations to a guy that's never been a head coach, not even an assistant coach? And I'm saying to myself, like, Jacques Vaughn, Sam Cassell, the co- the assistant coach for the Mavericks, um, Emi Udoka, um, I mean, we can yeah. go down this list so forever. Yeah, they, they they gave Alvin Gentry 19 games for Zion. 19 games. And they they, yeah. they literally just, like, just just fired him. Even though I feel like they should have given him next year to have a full year with Zion right. to see how they do. They fired him. Alvin Gentry, like, you know, they, I feel like black coaches have, like, they don't have that much patience for them when it comes to the league. But Right. It's the same thing in the NFL, too, though. Yeah, yeah. No, of course. And the the, the thing is, like, what we were saying at the beginning, Steve Nash might turn out to be the greatest coach ever. Yeah, like feel me, like yeah. I wouldn't, I wouldn't even like I. I he must not play defense a day in his life. I don't know how he's going to fix that. <laughs> but I he's going to be great for Kyrie. I can tell you, he's going to be great for Kyrie, and I think he's going to be because he's such a he was such a maestro as a point guard. I think that he's going to be pretty innovative in terms of his offensive uh, offensive philosophy, as well as just making uh, the game easier for, I think, Kyrie to see, as well as making the game easier for Durant to see. I mean, uh, Steve Nash has been a somewhat of a consultant for the Warriors, and uh, when he was with uh, when he was with the Warriors doing a work with them, uh, he would work out with Kevin Durant um, during a year. And so, like, he's already had a familiar, familiarity with uh, Kevin Durant, and I think that um, it should help. But, I mean – when it comes down to it, this is a team that, all right, when we're game five in the playoffs and and I'm playing, you know, uh, Milwaukee or Toronto or whatever these top teams are, the Celtics, I mean, what are you going to do? Like, you're going to talk to Kyrie Irving who's been there. You're going to talk to Kevin Durant that's been there. If you don't – if you can't reach them and, and they can't believe that you can get them over the hump, you're going to be gone in a year. You're just wasting time. You might as well sell the apartment in Brooklyn. Like, it's over. Like, you know what I mean? Uh, so it's a waste. Uh, Look at the coaches and look at the coaches in the East, right? You have Nurse, you have Stevens, you have Spoke, right? And then you have um, mm-hmm. Bud. So 
basically, these are the coaches you're going to be going to the playoffs with, right? And he's going to have to outcoach them. Having Kyrie and Kevin Durant does not does not put you in a does not put you in the finals, you know. But let's see. What do, we, what do we think about the comparison that people are trying to make with him and Steve Kerr? Right. So the thing that I thought of when I was talking to some of my friends about this earlier today was that at least Steve Kerr was in the game. At least like. Like, exactly. I mean, he was a GM, GM. You know what I'm saying? Right, exactly. Nah. And also, he had learned from some of the best coaches ever. I mean, he's played yeah. for Phil Jackson. He's played for, uh, uh, what is it? For um, Popovich. Pop- Popovich. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And won titles for both coaches. So he's learned from some incredible um, talent as well as he's already been in uh, a GM role. So, I mean, it wouldn't be too crazy for him to jump into coaching. Um but Steve Nash, I mean, Steve Nash has been probably playing soccer in Johannesburg, South Africa, and now he's just like, yeah, I got to go to the Brooklyn to go. Steve Nash, yo, yo, wait, hold on, wait, time out, time out. I don't know if y'all know this, but Steve Nash for the past, like, two years was a soccer analyst. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. He was analyzing soccer. You see what I'm saying? Like, that's for TNT, bro. He was, a, he was a soccer analyst for TNT. Yeah, but you know what's crazy with the curse situation that everybody keeps comparing it? I feel like the curse situation, he caught us off guard with with that small ball thing, right? Like, that's what caught the league off guard, right? And the fact that having the best shooter ever and being able to plug that death lineup, I feel like that's just what threw the league off. You know what I'm saying? It was something, it was something introduced right there and there. And, like, it took it took a long time for people to figure out how to stop that small ball, like, that formation thing. Other than that, I feel like with him and Kid, I mean, uh, and, um, Steve Nash, I don't know what else is really going to change. You're not changing Kyrie, bro. Like, I know Kyrie. I've seen Ky- Kyrie like brush off better coaches than that. Like he, he was being coached <laughs> by Brad Stevens. Like he was being coached by Brad Stevens. You feel me? Like so, like he's he. I don't I don't see how that's working. And you have two two complainers with with KD and and Kyrie. Low, low key, low, low key. I'm concerned, but that that's gonna be a uh, conversation for another day. But yo, the yeah. last thing I want to get to really quickly: who gets the Sixers job? Oh, isn't it Dante Ty Lue? Uh, that's what I heard. Yeah, I heard that's that he's heard. supposed to sign in a deal with them. Oh, today? Yeah. <laughs> oh, wait, wait, wait. He's got it? Like he's supposed to be working on a deal with them or something like that. Good luck with him, too. Mm. <laughs> Word. Yeah, good luck with that, honestly. Good luck with that. Because he, he's about to have a mess. hard job. That's how big mess he's about to be in. You see, you see what I'm talking about? The black coaches get the mess. <laughs> the white coaches get get put in good situations. Like, can you imagine Mark Jackson would have been perfect for He's from New York. Like, why wouldn't he get a job in Brooklyn coaching Kevin Durant and Kyrie? Why wouldn't he? I don't think he's ever going to get signed by an NBA team ever again. I think it's quiet for him. They're just going to keep him on TV. Yeah, I think it's I think it's a wrap. I think people have been waiting for a while. And also, I, I thought if any, there was any uh, New York job he was going to get, it was the Knicks a long time ago. But Yeah, yeah but you know how that goes. <laughs> Weird. All right, man. We'll, we'll talk another day, man. All right, awesome, man. Thank you, man. Have a good night, everyone. All right, right, see Thanks again for listening to The Rec League, a basketball podcast produced by The Rec. If you like what you hear so far, remember to subscribe to the show and leave a review. See you next time.